Hi guys and welcome to the sweet spot on a farm episode 30 part 2. This is the second part of my interview slash rant with Carrie Freight. And if you haven't listened to the first part, I recommend that you go back and listen to it first. Carrie talked about her experience with inflammation, um, fibromyalgia, her journey with keto diet, diabetes and her passion for nutrition. And we had a brief rant about processed foods and corn syrup. And if you just randomly tuned into this podcast and have absolutely no idea what this is about, then this podcast is all about health. My name is Zuzana and I am a former um, ulcerative colitis sufferer turned nutrition enthusiast, plant-based recipe developer, writer and a podcaster and now a student. And I live in Northern Ireland and you're joining me on a journey on which I learn from local natural health professionals, organic food producers, natural therapists, health and fitness professionals, farmers and anyone and everyone whose bread and butter is to help us stay healthy as much as possible in a natural way. We talk a lot about food and we share mainly plant-based recipes and tips on tackling your well-being. This is the second part of my interview with Carrie, nutrition student, and we talk a little more about Carrie's journey from fibro Carrie to keto Carrie and her journey back to education. She also shares one of her favorite keto recipes. Enjoy. So what is the plan for you now? So you've done the access mm-hmm. diploma and mm-hmm. um, level three course and now you're going to go into university. So yeah. what is the actual plan? Well, again, I'm doing food nutrition. You did have different options. You, know, you could do, because I was like, what's the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian? And really the only difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian is that a diet, a dietitian will work in a clinical setting. And that's really the only difference. They do, uh, they would do placements in hospitals and obviously dealing with people. I had um, I had seen a dietitian and basically they were telling me to eat carbs because again it was they can only they went by like the guidelines the government guidelines of a balanced diet and I'm like no carbs are killing me can't give me carbs but she sort of shrugged you know this is this is the government guidelines you know and at the time I really didn't have an illness that would have really suggested basically when they sent me to the dietitian it was like you're fat you obviously eat crap. We'll send you to this dietitian. She'll eat you how to eat. Tell you how to eat better. And yeah, if only it was that easy. <laughs> but it was the carbs. You, I just can't eat. It's somebody telling you to eat one hundred and fifty grams of carbs a day. It's not going to be good for you if you've got blood sugar issues. Like. It's the sort of what do you call it? The personalized medicine and personalized diet. Like somebody, like a high class athlete who's gonna run marathons, mm-hmm. you know, or somebody who's really putting their body through mm-hmm. so much um, energy burning mm-hmm. processes can get away with eating 200 grams of carbs a day because they're going to burn it straight away and they're going to build muscle. But if there's some ordinary person who actually, whether genetically predisposed or some other issues are going on there, cannot get, like, I physically can't eat more than, you know, whatever grams of carbs because my body's letting me know, no, I don't want this, don't do that. You know, everybody's different. And I think that's the problem with dietitians and anybody who kind of works in the hospital clinical environment. There are these government guidelines, but hang on, like people are individual. Everybody's so different. Like 
Like, we are not the same. But whenever I was doing my access and I was deciding, I did go into dietetics, did go into nutrition, did go into the food industry. You know, what do you do? You know, to go into food technology or whatever. And I was in work one day and um, a lady came up to me and uh, I work for a, now I work in a well-known supermarket. <laughs> and a lady came up to me. I was in the bakery aisle because <laughs> I was in the bakery. And she started tutting at me. Um, she was sort of like rolling her eyes. She'd lifted some white bread and she went, well, you know, I, like, I just wouldn't even entertain white bread. It's nowhere near me. And she said, uh, oh, I love this toasted, she says, with butter on it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, just smile at the customer of the general public. I can't, like, give her a full-on rant about what I think about <laughs> white bread <laughs> while I'm, like, in the place that's, like, paying me to sell it to her. And she says, you know, I'm diabetic. My dietitian tells me I shouldn't eat this. But, like, what would that wee girl know? You know, and this was the whole rant from the... And I'm like, actually, that dietitian, she knows quite a bit. And she's very right telling you not to eat that. And, but I couldn't say this. I just had to stand and smile. And I was like... If I go into dietetics, I'm just going to come in. You know, a lot of people are just going to come into me and listen to what I say, take away the the diet plan and then just like throw it in the bin in the way out and come into the supermarket and buy a white loaf. You know, and I'm like, that's not really, that is helping people, but it's not really helping because there are people who've got free will and are just going to do what they want. Where if I go into the food industry, I can offer them a better alternative. Like they still want quick, tasty, like convenience food, but like just give them an alternative. You know, and I think that was that's the way to go at it, slowly chip at it that way, rather than like lecture people on what they should and shouldn't be eating, but to offer them an alternative. You know, people would come to visit me and and they go, well, you're keto and all that stuff. And I give them keto food. They don't even know they're eating it. <laughs> you know, and I'm, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's how, what really swung me. I was like, I can lecture them about it or I can um, just offer them an alternative. You know, because I did have my own business and I'm, I'm used to being in that environment where, you know, you th- we are constantly developing something. And I'm like, you know, if you could just move that from cake and turn it into something really, really good and persuade, you know, the public. Without, like I say, it's that lecturing thing. Nobody is ever, ever, ever going to listen to you if you lecture at them about it. Or like start pondering and government guidelines. I mean, I've even discovered through my own health that obviously there is not a, like a one fix it all for everybody we are we need to, tailored individual tailored plans to deal with our health rather than just like being handed a diet sheet from a dietitian you know that's really unsuitable for your medical condition because yeah telling diabetics to eat carbs it's really not not the way to go with that that's that's a really good actually take on it. It never occurred to me like you're actually so right that maybe going into the food industry you're you're changing more because yeah you're right like a lot of people get a, get an advice from it even like nutritionists you know anybody they get advice and they just come home and they go screw this i'm not doing yeah. i'm not doing that and then they continue to suffer but that's do you know that's why i really really like and um, there are so many small food businesses popping up making artisan food and they mm-hmm. put so yeah. much work yeah. love and knowledge into it like yeah. There are bakeries popping up, or small, really small bakers who make proper sourdough, making it the old yep. traditional yeah. way. Yeah. That's fresh and that has a lot of goodness in it, and it is nutritious. Mm. And you know, simple things like that. And it's not, it's not easy. I mean, I've made food. I've started actually for the first time. I made food to sell, but I mean, making mm. food for you know different events for like handing out samples and stuff making food by hand 
using the top quality ingredients, it's costly. It, it takes so fun, much yeah. bloody time mm -hmm. and it takes a lot of effort on top of that. So, you know, obviously it's not gonna be cheap because if you want the cheap stuff, you can ruin your health and go to the supermarket and yeah. buy the pre-packed yeah. cheap stuff. But there are so many really good artisan food makers around now and it's really so, so good to see. It's just a matter of maybe time and for it to go more mainstream. Yeah. That's it. I mean, it really is a lot, a lot of education. Like whenever I tell people my story, about you know <laughs> from this miserable sad person lying on a sofa like not moving the length of themselves to somebody who's out and I do feel like this is my second chance at life that I have like and then I got really really angry with the doctors because I was like you so could have changed my health like 20 years ago like I could have had like my life would have been like just so different I said I have to wait in like like in my 40s to like discover my life all over again and and even when I had, when I was transitioning from fibro carry into keto carry, I had realized how much confidence I had actually really lost because of my condition. Because I would just say no to things because I was like, the fibro, no, I couldn't do that. No. And it took me, it took me a long time to stop saying no and start saying yes. Like, yes, let's go and do that. And then I just said to John, I'm just saying yes to everything now. I'm just, even if the no is not a word anymore, you know. Um, and even things like, I mean, this is how bad I was. I used to have to get John to like tie my shoes and stuff. Like I couldn't have bent over to tie my shoes or anything. Like, that's how bad it was. And uh, until one day we have like mirror wardrobes upstairs and I was trying to put socks on. And normally that would be a case of like sit in the bed, lean over, try and adjust your foot, foot to like get the toe, sock on the end of your toe to get it pulled over your foot. And then one day I noticed I was hopping about on my on one leg trying to put my sock on the other foot while hopping about in the bedroom on one leg. And that was, and I actually caught myself in the mirror and went, what? Before I, would, I wouldn't have done that because I thought that would have hurt me. Where I just it didn't even give it a second thought. I was just hopping about trying to get a sock on. And I was like, oh my God, what do you know? Jonathan and I had went on holiday and Jonathan's, you know, very active and he was tearing on down the street and I'm like would you just hold on and wait on me and my feet were in so much pain and I was like just stop and I actually just sat down we were actually visiting his family in Vienna and I just sat down in the middle of the street in Vienna and just bawled my eyes out because I'm like I can't walk they're gonna have to give me one of these mobility scooters because <laughs> I can't walk and I just sat at the time I was in my, like must have been about 30 years at the time just sat there with my god life is over this is just so awful and that was yeah to the point I'm at now yeah it, changing my diet changed my life it's just so lovely to hear somebody who's literally gone through the same journey yeah. because i'm yeah. totally there with you like i i and it is the simple things like i remember i was like that i it kills your confidence incredibly mm. and yes i remember the saying no to things no, all the time yeah because I, there was actually a point in my life where I, I just couldn't get on a bus. I, I couldn't go on a bus to do a longer bus journey mm -hmm. because there were no toilets mm -hmm. and I was crippled with ulcerative colitis and I, I, and I didn't know when I would need to run yeah. to the bathroom. Yeah. And so doing uh, like an hour and a half long, two hour long journey on a bus was like, a, no, going on a hike in a mountain, like a few hour hike in the mountains, where am I going to go to the toilet? Like I, I can't, I just physic not mentioning that I physically had so lack such a lack of energy that I wouldn't even be able to walk in the mountains. Never mind the, the fact that there's no bathroom. 
put it um, in any and just changing lifestyle, changing diet. And now I'm I, like years ago, I mm. couldn't imagine myself going taking I couldn't take a bus journey and now I'm going hiking in the mountains yeah. I you know I can I can do so many things like that I couldn't you know physically you couldn't do it or like you thought physically you could do it so you were like no but then you start to develop anxiety about it yeah and you just get all concerned by it it just totally destroys your life <laughs> it really it really really does yeah you can't let yourself you know, dream about like, okay, I'd like to do this, I'd like to do that. And you just kind of settle into the routine that I can't do anything. All I can do is like lie on the sofa and watch yeah. TV or do yeah. stuff that I can do sitting down and not really moving much as long as, as, as the bathroom is up the stairs and I don't have to climb too many of them. Yeah. There was time because obviously this is a house. It's got three floors. Our bedroom's at the very top. And just sometimes it's like, no, I'll just lie on the sofa here. You know, that's <laughs> just like... Or even the remote control would be on another chair and you're like, no, I'll just watch this because you're just like, no, I just can't get up and do that. Just the confidence I have got back again and in everything, like, and even mentally, like, because you sort of said, yes, you're physically wrecked, but you could have went back into education. But my brain was mush. It was mush. There was no, if you'd said to me, oh, well, I'll meet you on, you know, such and such a day. Um, although I did forget. <laughs> that was only because i had there was so many things being balanced about at the minute i confused you with somebody else <laughs> that's not the best example but if i said something down somewhere i just wouldn't have remembered or jonathan would say you know just such and such or the whatever and then he would like 10 minutes later and i go what are you talking about you know i just couldn't remember anything it was terrible it was the meant yeah i I just couldn't, I didn't have any confidence in my physical and mental abilities and that, that was just it. But obviously now, I, I am quite a determined person, you know, I'm actually quite driven to get things done. Um, I'm always like trying to push forward and push forward and push forward. And I think that's just what kept me going, I think. Um, that I, and I'm really stubborn, like my husband will tell you, I'm like so, so stubborn. And that was that that sort of like pushed me on, just my sheer just stubbornness that this can't be all there is to life. I just can't be like a 38-year-old woman and so what, like lying on a sofa or not being able to go on holiday without the thoughts of having to like take a mobility scooter with me. And it was just like, I didn't want to be like hitting 40 and like my life over, which was, was exactly what I was looking at. And it was actually, um, Jonathan's family had then came over from Austria and had stayed with us. And they wanted to go out. And obviously they had no one to, because this this was John's cousin who actually she's she's married and lives in Switzerland. So I'd never actually met her before. She wasn't part of the, the Austrian family. She was in Switzerland. So they came over to see us. So she didn't know about me. She just thought she'd seen this smiley person in photographs on Facebook and just assumed I was a normal person. And then they came over and then obviously John was taking them out and about to visit things. And I would be going, no, I can't go. Oh, no, I can't go there. No, sure, you just go on. And I'd make excuses like I'm busy. Oh, I've got work to do. Oh, I've got this to do. And they actually got quite upset with me because they thought I was deliberately snubbing them. And which obviously caused a bit of an argument. And that was the turning point for me. Everybody else just accepts how I am, but these were strangers to me and they just didn't get it. And me trying to explain it to them, and that was just awful. And, uh, yeah... That was the real, like, no, something really needs to be done. And then again, obviously, butter bob and the keto thing and everything. It all just fell into place. The, just how it all happened. What is your... So you obviously mentioned that right now your diet is a bit 
you're I'm in a limbo with keto. I am because of my diabetes. Um, and quite early is the keto that will then actually cure that. But um, I have to wait till I go through the NHS loopholes. And then once I get all that sorted, then it'll be back into keto again. I'll tell them what I'm doing. But I can't go to them now and say, you know, go on to keto and not be a diabetic when I'm going to see. But I need to be in the, I need to be in that process with the NHS for them to monitor my health because they're because this is a metabolic condition. It's this isn't funny. This is something that will kill you. You know, this is what gets me about it. Is if I was a cancer victim, people would like jump on me and want to save me. And and I have had people in my family die of cancer. I'm not demeaning that in any way. I'm certainly not. But if that was the case, people would jump on me and do everything they could to help me to like live a longer and better life. But a metabolic condition will be a very, very slow and long and lingering. <laughs> and it's not, it's really not given the severity that, that it actually deserves. It's like, no, this is, yeah. And the money it costs the NHS as well, you know. The, at the end of the day, if they treated people sooner and quicker for diabetes, screened them for it. It would save the NHS a small fortune. When you are on your normal keto diet, because because I've saw I've I've seen some of your posts, uh-huh. and yeah. you're actually really good. Do you know like there are a lot of people who just jump on a keto diet without doing any research, and there can be it can actually make you unhealthy as well if you don't know that you need to eat good quality produce yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And you're very good, and you have vegetables in there, and yeah. as yeah. as well to make sure you have nutritionally balanced keto yeah. diet. So. What is your normal keto diet like when you're on it? Again, keto, I wouldn't have breakfast. Keto is all about not snacking. And basically trying to keep your your insulin level, which means every time you eat, your insulin's going to peak. You're going to go into fat storage. So if you sort of, I would have condensed my meals into eight hours a day, which means I wouldn't have had breakfast, which sounds really counterintuitive because you always need to start your, your, need to start in a breakfast. But you don't. That was, you know, Mr. Kellogg's trying to convince us all to eat <laughs> Rice Krispies and cornflakes that uh, pretty much put that into our modern psyche of like, you must eat a breakfast. So I wouldn't eat a breakfast because actually I find when I'm on keto, if I eat too early in the morning, that then spark, you know, that then like almost starts me wanting to eat. Where if I lay off, like is not eating for as long as possible after I get up. Like, and I'm not hungry because you go into a fat adapt- adaption. So your body is, is munching quite, quite happily munching away on the, the 30,000 calories that, you know, you're carrying around every day on your body without even thinking about it in your body fat. So your body's quite happily munching away on that. So you're not hungry. And then I would get to lunchtime and I would find just for sheer convenience, a lot of the time I would make soup. Um, but then add fats to it, like add coconut milk and things like that into it. Um, uh, obviously made of olive oil, just to try and get the fat in there. Um, usually I would carry boiled eggs. Boiled eggs are like the ultimate, the ultimate convenience food. If you have a boiled egg, you will never go hungry. It's pretty much the macronutrients in it are like perfectly balanced for you. You know, boiled egg, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> you know. Um, cause I would have found like, even when you're out and about and you're like running to the garage to get something to eat, like go, instead of running over to the sandwich counters, like go and run to the ham and lift a pack of ham or, you know, they have like wee packets of cheese or something, lift those like wee baby bells or something. It's definitely a better option. Um, so that would be lunch or it would be, you know, like I would have 
um, some eggs with proper full fat mayo, um, rolled up in some lettuce, iceberg or little gems or something like that, um, have some fried bacon, you know, it's probably cold bacon over the top of it. And I find that there's a really, really good lunch. Um, and something like that is handy to put into a lunchbox, you know, and take out and about with you. Um, dinners, we're back to the meat. Um, yeah, anything, steak, chicken, you name it, chicken generally, and this is what people go, oh, but keto diet's really dear. No, go and buy some chicken drumsticks with the fat on them, uh, do them in some, some ghee or some vegetable oil, um, things like that. And then, of course you can, you can tart them up with, um, put herbs and spices and the garlic and whatever into them. Um, things like that. Steak, yes, people sort of go, oh, steak's really expensive. And I went, yeah, but you can pay six pounds for a McDonald's meal, you know. Pay six pounds for a steak. I think I'd rather have a steak than a McDonald's meal. Um, but generally, lots of different things. One Pot Wonders. I, I actually bought a great cookbook. Um, it's a slow, there we go. It's a oh, slow yeah. cookbook on One Pot and uh, One Pot Meals. Things like that are because the reason we eat so much crap is because it's convenient. So the idea is to make keto as convenient as possible and then you're not eating the crap. That's the idea. <laughs> Um, and then the, the quick keto meals in like 30 minutes. And so, there's really lovely things. And that's another thing I've discovered, which is quite keto without being like deliberately keto, is uh, Eastern, Middle Eastern cooking. I have found a real love of it. And obviously there's things I have to substitute in it, but that's like no big biggie like. Um, and it's just so tasteful. And if you just sit down and feel really satisfied and something that's really, really tasty, then you're not going to go back and hook in your fridge and look for something else to eat but it is a, a very diet i mean i just don't stick to eating you would you would get really bored i do you know picky eaters that go on to keto and they complain about they're bored about what they're eating and i went that's not keto's fault that's your fault for being a really picky person and not wanting to eat stuff you know you said you don't eat breakfast and this is really funny because yeah. that, that that just shows you how everybody's different because i I usually work out first thing in the morning and I work out on empty stomach. Mm -hmm. I, like since I started this low carb and mm -hmm. stroke keto diet, I don't eat before I work out in the morning. Yeah. I just learned to really leave at least 12 hours between dinner and mm -hmm. breakfast. And so it just, eight time wise, mm -hmm. it doesn't suit me to eat in the morning. But also I discovered I perform better in my training when I don't eat. Yeah. But then because after training my body's burning so many kilocalories and it just requires yeah. energy, I have a massive breakfast. And I mean massive, we're talking like sometimes only 800, but sometimes I up to 12 or 1300 kilocalories, that's my breakfast. Yeah. But then I don't eat that much during the day after that. Yeah. And I try to condense my eating to not eight, I'm not as good as eight, but 10 hours yeah. if I can of eating time during the day. But yeah, I, I couldn't do without breakfast because after a workout in the morning, oh my God, I need some food. I mean like yesterday was an example. Um, I got up and I went to college. So I was there to half 12, I came home, I just had something to drink. And then I got changed and then I went up to my lot. And I was up there to like five o'clock. And then I was like, I'm really hungry. But it was like five o'clock in the evening. Of course, I was going to be hungry. You know, you just, uh, you don't think. So you don't. But I certainly find if, with keto, I w probably would actually only eat one meal a day. Like just have a huge, like you and your huge breakfast. Mine would be a huge dinner. So it would be. And uh, just don't snack because every time, and this is just even for general, like just general life, just general anybody 
who's just eating a normal everyday diet, do not snack. Eat your breakfast, eat your dinner, eat your lunch. Don't, don't snack in between because insulin is there for fat storage. It's a, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it, through is being developed through evolution to like keep us alive. It's what stores the fat on our body. Seriously, don't snack because this is the problem. And even some people say to me like, oh, you know, it's all the junk food everybody eats nowadays, you know. And I was like, well, you could eat a McDonald's meal. I'm not saying you should, but say a McDonald's meal is 2,000 calories. Well, that's what you're recommended to eat in a day. Not, they're not great calories, like really not. But um, if that's okay, if, that would be, if, you, if you're going to look at it calories in, calories out, 2,000 calories is 2,000 calories no matter where you get them from. So if you just eat them in that one meal, your body's just dealing with that rise in insulin for that one meal and you've had your 2,000 calories. Or if you break your 2,000 calories up into like 10 snacks of 100 calories, every time you have those 10 snacks throughout the day, you're like insulin up, next snack, insulin up, next snack, insulin up, next snack, insulin up. And you're more likely to store that 100 calories in that snack than you are the 2,000 calories in the one huge meal. And that's just it, because people will argue this with me. Like, people are just fat because they're lazy and they don't walk and they don't do this and they don't do any exercise and they just eat too much. And I'm like, mm, it's hormone driven as well. You know, their insulin comes into this because it's insulin that's driving your fat storage. If you're constantly raising your insulin, you're constantly going into fat storage. Just don't do that. Don't snack. Just eat your three meals and do not eat anything else. Do you know, like, when I had my ulcerative colitis problems, because of that, I was obviously advised to eat more often yeah. and smaller meals. Yeah. And that, during that time, that was really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. But then I, um, I'm out of meds, obviously, due to changing my lifestyle and mainly my diet. And I discovered in recent, maybe two or three years, and that actually... In the past, actually, in the past two years, and it was actually Danny overall. Um, if anybody wants to guys go back, I think it was episode three. You should go back and listen to it. Um, Danny said that actually this eat more often but smaller amounts mm-hmm. actually, unless you need to do it, it's actually not that great. No. And the reason is if you eat less often and leave the body sufficient enough gap mm-hmm. between meals then your body has actually the time yeah to process yeah. what you've just eaten mm-hmm. and you're giving it enough break and it's, it's yeah. like a reset time it's, yeah. it's like a rebooting your organs to totally. be able to deal with totally the next is. meal the best person to explain like the effects of insulin is uh dr jason fung and he's a canadian uh he's an anthropologist and he has written books on like intermittent fasting. I mean, they have the diet, like, is it the 5 2 where you fast two days, eat five days? I mean, that's it. I mean, that, like, like my granda was a great one. He wouldn't have eaten anything after six o'clock at night. And, uh, yeah, and it, it kept him, that, because he got a bit, you know, rotund in his, in his old age. And he, has, he said, Oh, I've just, and they're like, Granda, you've lost all the weight. And he's like, Yes, I just don't eat after six o'clock at night. And even giving yourself just that break, like, so. Say he stopped eating at six o'clock at night. Well, then you have the twelve hour. No, that's brilliant. Twelve hours break. But they say like really the optimum really in a day is doing the sixteen and eight. Um, but really what you want to do is like take like every now and then. Um, again, it's that rebooting thing, is to like leave yourself like at least twenty four hours, of a fast. And you sort of think how can you not eat anything for twenty four hours? You could go, well, I've actually did a 48 hour fast in the past. And as long as you take in water and you take in electrolytes, um, 
because it's actually people people make the mistake of thinking they feel all shaky and all faint because oh my blood sugar levels have dropped I need to like oh, consume lots of sugar don't glass of water and put some salt in it and drink it and that will actually perk you up I'm not saying people take lots of salt really I'm not but I would find I actually had bought like um electrolyte tablets that had the potassium magnesium calcium in them and as soon as like and I would take those and I didn't even take them and wait until I was feeling faint I just took them every day because I knew that I would get faint if I did and you can do a 48 hour fast as long as you keep your electrolytes up people would drink like pickle juice and things like that there if you want like a more healthy alternative but not that take electrolytes is unhealthy but if you have if you're eating pickles like pickle juice obviously because there's brine in that I fast every week and well I, I have my 12 hours between dinner and, and mm-hmm. then I try mm-hmm. to condense my eating to 10 hours a, mm-hmm. to 10 hours a day with having four to five hours in between meals but I also do once a week I do to, well 36 really 36 hour fast so I would have my dinner on Sunday night and then I wouldn't eat until breakfast Tuesday morning mm-hmm. yeah. but I would drink the stuff that you don't like bone broth instead of dinner on on Monday evening and I would uh, have vegetable purely vegetable no fruit mm-hmm. vegetable juices and I would drink loads of herbal teas mm-hmm. and loads of um, spring water mm-hmm. and I would take my electrolytes my, my mm-hmm. vitamins and my minerals and uh, recently I tried 48 hour mm-hmm. fast and the difference it made was on the second day I suddenly woke up and I thought you know Monday night usually I start to feel like oh I really can't wait Tuesday morning I need to have some breakfast mm-hmm. although I would still get up Tuesday morning and I would have my fasting workout mm-hmm. and I that's my body's just like it's a routine and my body's actually really responding well to it but then I didn't eat the second day and you know halfway through the second day of fasting my body was just like suddenly full of energy again it's back this religious thing you can see like how where people said you know like because obviously pretty much most religions have uh, fasting in it but you can understand that that like moment of like bing like oh you know it's almost like a purity or something you know yeah and you do as a euphoria you you, you you do feel completely rejuvenated from it like just totally totally obviously you know really read up on that before you do it and and uh but I find that Jason Funk, he was the guy that really, especially in conjunction with Keto, and he, he he's actually a renal uh, consultant because he deals with, obviously, kidneys. And he came across this dealing with diabe- diabetic people having, obviously, have problems with their kidneys. Yeah, he is the guy. <laughs> he, is, he is the Keto go-to for fasting. Um, anybody who's listening, we are not giving anybody medical no, advice. Definitely we not. are not doctors. We are not professionals. This is just... Like, we are having a conversation of what we discovered. <laughs> Carrie is going to be professional a lot sooner than I will because I'm only starting on my educational yeah. journey. I, I haven't even passed my biology A-levels yet, and God knows whether I even pass it. But, um, but yeah, it, this is not advice to anybody. No. Before you do anything, consult your healthcare professional. Totally. Read up, do your own research. Please do not do just something because yeah. you heard it on a podcast because that would be really stupid. It would be totally stupid. <laughs> and... Um, um one last question because we talked loads oh my god i I just love talking to you about all this is really like talking to another me this is awesome (laughs) but um uh one question that i uh that i um ask everybody and i know that people from from listening to you might get the idea that you don't eat vegetables i can assure you carrie eats vegetables i do eat yeah what is your favorite vegetable? i love uh 
brassicas, cauliflower, broccoli, um, Brussels sprouts, cabbage. Things like it really, really, really low carb and really, really nutritious. And people sort of look at me and think, you don't eat, you know, fruit. Where do you get your fit? And I go, vegetables. Vegetables are nutritionally the best thing. And the thing with fruit is that fruit is like really full of sugar. And obviously vegetables are not. Well, as well, the root vegetables would be, but your brassicas aren't. But ounce for ounce, gram for gram, they are more nutritious than fruit. So if you think that not eating fruit is going to leave you deficient in something. It's certainly not. And definitely, as I say, eat the rainbow. Eat all colours. All colours. Just don't... I mean, like, obviously, cabbage comes in different colours. <laughs> you know, broccoli comes in different colours. You know, it's like, yeah, they come in different colours. I don't... Obviously, don't eat potatoes. On occasion, I would eat some sweet potato. And on occasion, I would eat some butternut squash. But that's certainly not something that would be eaten every day. Because um, it's a bit higher up on the on the carbs. But uh, celery makes lovely mash. Yes, 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 yes. Another celery. <laughs> I love the mash. I buy two celeriacs every week, and mash is my new go-to food. Yeah, and I would um, chip it and uh, put it in my acne fry, and I would have celery chips. Lovely. Oh my god, I had those two. They're awesome. <laughs> so I would go for all that. Um, yeah, and pretty much lots of salads. Um, don't go mad on tomatoes because obviously again they're quite sweet which means there's sugar in them there's carbs in them um, but actually cucumber you could eat cucumber to come out your ears and some people get really like pedantic about measuring stuff up and I guess at the beginning of keto you do because you want to get portions right and things but as I've went on I'm sort of like as long as I know that I have um, fulfilled my protein because you need protein or else you're just going to start eating your yourself and as long and i sort of know now like what to eat carb wise in a day like um but and i wouldn't especially go nuts on fat fat is really calorific and there is people who go on keto and like consume like cream on everything um, and then wonder why they're not losing weight or like eat cheese till it's coming out their ears and wonder what it's like. There still is calories in that. And yes, it's probably better calories than eating a Mars bar. But And and I would find a time, yes, I have put on weight when I have been on keto because I have probably consumed way too much cream or way too many blocks of cheese. But generally, no, you don't. If And you sort of find your body, you just listen to your body. Your body will tell you like whether what you're doing is enough for it. Like there is days you'll go and you're I'm not really hungry today, you know, then John will go, you're not making dinner. And then I go, oh yeah, I forgot about that because I'm hungry. You know, <laughs> and then he's like, no, but I'm hungry. And then I go, it's almost an inconvenience then of having to like make him some food. But yeah. If broccoli is one of your favourite veg, then by the way, guys, right, like by the way, broccoli is actually quite high in vitamin C. You know, yeah. if we're talking about like, you'd be surprised what's in broccoli, vitamin yeah. A, vitamin C. And if you really, really need some extra vitamins on it, just squeeze some fresh lemon juice on it, honestly. But uh, do you have any nice recipe with broccoli that you could... I actually did get you a nice recipe, and it's broccoli fritters. Oh! So it did. And I have made these. Hold on, I have them on my Pinterest. Yeah, because I didn't think you'd really want to know, like, you know, about steak bernays or something. <laughs> <there>. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so... They're pretty easy to make. You know, if you've already, if you're like me, I mean, again, it's this keto and convenience thing. I would, like, pre-cook a lot of vegetables just so I can microwave them. 
but this is great because if you've obviously just cooked a load of broccoli and you've had your dinner and you've got broccoli leftovers it's a good way of using your leftovers and not encouraging food waste and it means that they're ready to go then for you for the next time so you basically just cut your broccoli up into little not tiny pieces but you know yeah. Wee chunky bits so you need broccoli you need shredded so obviously you need to grate some cheddar cheese you need a couple of eggs and some th- two tablespoons of say like almond flour or something like that or you know just something that would bind and this one then has nice cajun spice in it and some avocado oil or any other sort of vegetable oil or or indeed you could well i can't say lard could mm, keto people would cook things in lard and butter and ghee um, coconut oil is really good too. Coconut oil, I like coconut oil, but I find that then everything ends up tasting like coconut oil. <laughs> so I tend to keep my coconut oil for things like curries and things like mm-hmm. that. There, um, I would use a lot of of ghee or and or avocado oil. I would use a lot of that as well, or just ordinary olive oil. But sunflower oil, no, do not use sunflower. Whether you're on keto or not, like do not use vegetable oils like sunflower canola and all that stuff because they're really high in omega-3s and omega-3s are inflammatory because we have too much omega-3 in our modern diet so yeah like i virgin olive oil is probably way better option because it's high in omega-9s but that's what they say yeah so this is you you could chop up the the broccoli till it's like reasonable little chunks but not like really fine and then you mix in your cajun spices and your flour of choice, I would probably, yeah, coconut if coconut flour goes a wee bit clumpy on me. I almost prefer almonds to be quite honest. Um, and then you add your cheddar cheese, and then you give it a stir up, and then you combine your egg into it, mix it up again, and then you make it. You just spoon it into your frying pan. You heat your oil, put it in your pan until it cooks one side. Flip it over like a pancake, cook the other side, and it's as simple as that. I mean, that is like the simplest thing ever. And they're nice if you make like uh, a nice like dip with them, um, like mayonnaise or even like make a nice garlic mayonnaise. And even the fritters themselves, when you add the broccoli, I mean you can, you can add other things into there, like wee bits of, like you put chilies into it or it's like cheese and broccoli. You can add anything to it. Um, yeah, it's it's a really. It's really, really nice. And the beauty of it is that you can very easily make it vegan. Um, you don't need to use eggs. You can just use vegan um, egg replacement. Mm-hmm. You can you can maybe make a chia jelly by soaking your chia seeds overnight or cho- um, uh, or uh, flax seeds mm-hmm. in, in water. That's a really good binder. Or even psyllium husks actually works really mm-hmm. well as a binder yeah. instead of eggs. And um, for cheese, like, there's so many cheese replacements. Like, there's some are better than others. Like, watch out for ingredients when, if you do buy a vegan cheese substitute, please do look at the packets because some of the stuff I honestly wouldn't touch with a stick. Like, some of the ingredients terrify me. But, uh, yeah, you can make it vegan really easily. Oh, yeah. It's really nice. Obviously, keto is definitely very meat-based. But, I mean, like, even I get tired looking at meat you know and i do like a vegetarian i probably wouldn't go as far as vegan because i wouldn't really cater to vegan myself so i wouldn't really have vegan things on hand um but certainly vegetarian i mean and even pescatarian i mean i do love fish we would eat a lot of fish and i again i tend to try and stick to like sardines oily fish like sardines and mackerel salmon and generally they're wild caught they're they're not farmed so i would tend to stick to that as well 
Well, thank you very much for a lovely chat and for a beautiful recipe. And I, I hope that maybe we inspired somebody to, to either get into education or look, have a really hard and critical look at the way they eat yeah. and think about food. And then This is what I tell everybody. If you think you have a health problem, is to look at what you eat. That's, it can be really, really simple to rectify. I mean, I suffered for 20 years and it was just so easily rectified. And if I'd have known that 20 years ago, I would have done it. And I just, this is what I've just preached to people. So this is say there's something wrong. Just look at your diet. Listen to care, people. She's soon going to be a professional and she's going to keep telling you that one day she might have a, there will be billboards. <laughs> look at what you eat. Look, what's your diet? Look at your diet. <laughs> the keto Perry. <laughs> yes. Before we say goodbye, I brought you a little... Oh, you're gonna make me vegan! Uh, <laughs> I brought you a little book. I know you you don't eat sweet potatoes too often, but you know what? They're very easily yeah. substituted for celeriac, which is what I've been doing lately. Yeah, celeriac. Yeah, I'm all for that. Is a like totally underestimated vegetable. It really is totally everything, and even like again. But you can't make vegan shepherd's pie. I mean, even for topping shepherd's pie for topping like. You, you can make gratins and everything out of it it's yeah it's totally underestimated maybe I should write a celery cookbook <laughs> 101 things to do with celery certainly it's really underestimated and it's actually it's really cheap as well it's not an expensive vegetable even the organic variety like if there's some people probably yeah. thinking that buying organic is expensive well actually if I compare my bill for organic um vegetable bill at, at the market and go organic in a supermarket or even non-organic mm. well actually organic is not that expensive if you buy seasonal but i've even got to the point now i'm i just started i took on an allotment last year just so that because there's just such underhandedness goes on in the food industry that you almost like if i haven't grown it and if i haven't cooked it i'm not eating it but obviously that's not you can't do that that's just impossible but yeah, I do almost feel like that though. But yeah, organic vegetables and yeah, they taste so much better. And it's just nice to know that you're eating something that's not covered in chemicals. And to know that that you have a conscious producer for that vegetable as well. And not only for them looking after their vegetables, but for the wildlife that's around them, that it's a whole culture that's being looked after there rather than just somebody just out to make money. And that's why I think we should support it. And the more it's supported, the cheaper it will actually become because then the farmers will be making a good income at it. And obviously the more they produce, the more they can bring down their their profit margin on each, each individual piece of vegetable. So I think it's something that even if you eat 10% organic, if you can't afford to buy completely organic, that is just making such a difference. Just even just try even if it's just a bag of carrots it it's really a really worthwhile thing today on that note um thank you so much for for the chat and um thank you for the book i you're welcome. i'm going to show you photographs of me making vegan food <laughs> in a ketogenic way i'll be looking forward to that and um i we will post as always guys i will be posting carrie's recipe online so uh keep an eye out it'll be available for download Thanks very much, Kerry. Thank you for coming. <laughs> As usual, um, Kerry's recipe will be available to download on our Facebook group page, The Sweet Spot on a Farm, in the file section, along with all the rest of the recipes. And you will also be able to find it on Instagram if you're not a Facebook person. 
Now, Carrie's recipe is not 100% vegan, but as we mentioned, it's easy to adopt and you can use plant-based alternatives. Just read the labels to make sure it's as clean food as possible and we will give you some tips when we publish the recipe. If you like this podcast, please leave us some stars on iTunes and a short review. This will not only help us reach some wider audience, but it will earn you some seriously genuine gratitude. And if you're not an iTunes person, you can leave us a comment on social media or SoundCloud. Or both, because I'm not demanding at all. And if you'd like to buy the Sweet Spot cookbook, the very same one I gifted to Carrie, you can find it on Amazon in both paper and digital version. But if you go digital, I recommend the iBook version because it comes fully illustrated, just like the paperback. Or you can also message me with a personal order. And that's it for this episode. Have a lovely week. Enjoy the sunshine, buy some organic veggies when you're out food shopping and whatever you do, stay healthy. Until next time. Bye. As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot. Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. Thank you.